Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and I have to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Hooray! I hope you guys had a wonderful day if you're listening to this on the day that it releases, and I hope yesterday was amazing, and I hope somehow you get to celebrate Mother's Day throughout the entire week, and all of the chores are done, and you have no laundry, and your kids cooperate with you, and I'm living in a fantasy world, but it would be a nice dream. I am on vacation this week as this releases, so... Hopefully, I'm having a good time at least, getting the bump out in the sun while we've just got a little bit of time left, 36 weeks, so kind of getting towards the end there. Um, So today's show is so exciting. We are going to be speaking with a mother slash midwife. You know, I like to mix it up, not always a home birth story. And this is midwife Madeline Murray, who is a CPM, and she works in the Atlanta, Georgia area. She uh, is part of a three-midwife practice called Modern Midwifery, but the reason that Madeline is coming on to talk to us is about her organization that she's created called Believe in Midwifery, and it's all about sustainability and figuring out how we can get more midwives because we don't have enough and the job is pretty stressful. So she has some amazing ideas, and I'm so excited for this episode for not only birth workers, but for moms to to realize, you know, kind of what midwifery is like, and then also to kind of encourage you to maybe see what your care provider thinks and if they've considered something like this and and how do you feel about it. So I'm really looking forward to your feedback uh, related to what Madeline has to say. So before we jump into the show, I want to thank this week's sponsor. Speaking of midwives, we have midwife Carrie LaChapelle. She's a licensed midwife, CPM of 12 years, offering home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. She provides evidence-based prenatal care, mama baby family-centered home birth care, including water birth, and mama baby postpartum care from birth to six weeks and beyond. Carrie also offers extras like beautiful Banku belly binding, and she carries a wide variety of wish garden tinctures in her office. The great thing is, is that Carrie offers a free consultation to see if she's a good fit for your birth, so you can visit her at Hatched at Home's website, which is hatchedathome.com, on Facebook at Hatched Midwife Carrie LaChapelle, or get in touch with her at 864-907-6363. Don't forget that you can win a Happy Home Birth sticker if you leave a review over at iTunes. I didn't get any reviews this week, so no reviewer of the week. But if you do it next week, then you can win a sticker, and they're really cute, and I keep seeing them on people's water bottles and coffee mugs, and they look pretty dandy if you ask me. So the last thing that I wanted to mention to you guys is, I don't know if you remember our amazing guest, Hilda Labrada-Gore, who was on just a few weeks ago. It's called Wise Traditions from a Mother with Grown Children. She interviewed me for her podcast through the Weston A. Price Foundation, Wise Traditions, just a few days ago about home birth and the safety of it. And at that time, I was told that it's possible that it is going to air the same day that this podcast airs. So that is Monday, May 13th. So why don't you go on over to 
iTunes and check on the Wise Traditions podcast and see if my episode is there and then tell me what you think because I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants for that interview and I was really excited about it but I hope that I did a great job of representing the home birth community and I would love to hear your feedback on that. As always please remember that the opinions of my guests are not necessarily my opinions and that neither of us are offering you medical advice so be sure to go see your doctor or if you're like me your chiropractor. But that is all that I have for you at the beginning of this show. So let's jump on into the interview with Madeline, and I know you're going to love it. Madeline, thank you so much for joining us on Happy Home Birth. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am so excited to talk to you. Uh, as a midwife, um, I well, first off, I would just love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay. Um, my name is Madeline Murray. I'm a certified professional midwife, so that's direct injury midwife um, who does home births in Atlanta, Georgia. I am part of a three midwife practice called Modern Midwifery here in Atlanta. And um, I just had my first baby nine months ago. So that's brought a whole new thing to my midwifery career. But yeah, that's me. Well, congratulations on the the new baby. That, that definitely adds a new layer to everything. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Everybody told me, they said um, that it was going to make like everyone, when I got pregnant, they said, this is definitely going to make you a better midwife, you know, being pregnant and, and having a baby and going through labor and all that. And, and I still, I'm, I'm really not sure about that, but the only thing I do know for sure is that being a midwife made me a terrible pregnant lady. The opposite. Yes, I think the opposite is definitely true. <laughs> I think so too. I do. I feel like after I had my daughter, I was so sympathetic. Anytime I saw any discomfort in a mom who was in labor, I'm like, oh, I'm I so sorry. I know. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear how you actually came to be a midwife if you'd like to tell us that story. Yeah, sure. So, um, I was actually born at home, which is kind of unique in 1982. Um, my mom actually had her first home birth in 1977. Wow. So she was kind of like, you know, with the farm midwives, she read spiritual midwifery and um, my aunt and her both had babies the same year at home. And um, so when I was growing up, it was kind of just the norm to me that that was the way that birth was done and what I kind of always expected to do. And, um, and I've always loved babies. I have a lot of little brothers too. And, um, I was kind of called the little mother growing up. So I just always, you know, have been in, into babies and kids and, um, and women too. I'm the only girl in a family of, I have six brothers. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I had a lot of girlfriends growing up and I've, I've just always been interested in women and children and, um, and birth, strangely enough for somebody who didn't have a baby until I was 34 five years old, I've always been really interested in, in birth. Um, and so midwifery was kind of on my radar as I was growing up, but it's hard to be a midwife. The profession is hard. It's hard to become a midwife. And then being a midwife is sort of, um, at least the way it is now, kind of all consuming of your life. Mm -hmm. And I, because my mom had babies young and a lot of babies, I sort of also grew up sort of expecting that that was going to be my life too, that I would get married young and have a bunch of kids. And that's not how my life turned out, which is, you know, totally fine. And I had a, a I've had a wonderful life. Um, but I did a lot of experiencing traveling and, you know, that kind of thing when I was in my twenties and, and I didn't want to 
to do everything that it took to be a midwife then. But then um, a few things in the universe sort of kind of happened at the same time. And I was a nanny uh, and the family that I was working for at the time decided that they weren't going to need me anymore. The mom was going to start working part time and uh, the kids were going to go to school. So, so I was about to have to change jobs. And then at that same time, my sister-in-law um, was pregnant for the third time and she had attempted two home births and I had been with her for both of those uh, labors at home. And both times she ended up having a C-section at the hospital. And so this time she was planning a VBAC at the hospital and um, I was able to be there. She was two weeks late. Her baby was 10 pounds, seven ounces. She mm-hmm. was supported by midwives at the hospital and she had um, a very victorious VBAC. And I was oh. right there by her side. I mean, um, I think she would even say that I was kind of her birth partner more than my brother even was. <laughs> um, and so, so that was the first actual, even I've, I had been into birth, you know, my whole life. And that was the first real live birth that I had ever seen this victorious VBAC. And it was, it just blew my mind. And, you know, I, I, it was the greatest thing I had ever seen in my life. And I was like, okay, I know this has sort of been, you know, pulling me in this direction for a while, but that kind of secures it. Like I'm going to be a midwife. And, and so then I, as soon as my job was over with the nanny job, um, and right after my niece was born, I applied to midwifery school. Um, and so I went to Midwives College of Utah, which is an online program for my didactic training. And then um, I did it a little bit differently than than some people because I still was single and needing to support myself. So I couldn't do the apprenticeship model, the typical way that a lot of people do in home birth. Um, so I just did my schooling online for a while while I was working another nanny job and did a couple of international placements. So I went to Haiti for a while and I went to the Philippines for a while to do births. And then um, finally, when I was getting into the primary phase, uh, I moved out to Oregon and I worked at a birth center there for 18 months. And that's where I finished my training. Um, wow. And then came back here and started a practice with two other midwives. That's amazing. And that that experience in Oregon is what actually led to this idea of believe in midwifery um, and your message. So I would love for you to just tell the listeners about this. What, what is believe in midwifery? What does that mean to you? And how did this all come about? Okay. So, um, like I said, midwifery is hard and it's all consuming. Um, because of the way that most home birth midwives, at least in America practice is that they are solo practice. So they have their own clients, um, which means that they're the one. So anytime anything's happening with their clients, uh, that's who the clients call. And whenever they're, you have people that are going to be having babies, um, anytime during a month you're on call for them. So you kind of have to be available, you know, even if you have three or four moms do in a month, you never know when they're going to go into labor. So you need to have your bag packed in your car and you have to have your change of clothes and you need to know if you have children, what you're going to do with your kids if you get called to a birth or um, there's lots of backup plans and, and things like that. And you can't do things like, you know, go travel the world when you're 
26 or, um, you know, get drunk at your friend's wedding um, or. Or drive somewhere with your husband. (laughs) Yeah, or drive somewhere with your husband. Like all of the base, like there's a lot of things um, that you need that you have to sacrifice um, in order to be a midwife. And so that kept me from becoming a midwife for a long time because I was like, I'm not ready to make that sacrifice yet. I know I want to someday, but I'm not ready yet. Um, And then when I finally was ready, I still wasn't like, I didn't love it. I didn't love that I was going to have to make that sacrifice. But I, I told you, you know, that birth was the greatest thing I had ever seen. And I was like, you know, I'm good at this. I want to do this. It's so important. Um, so I was willing to make those kind of sacrifices. Um, so when I moved to Oregon, the, the, the deal at the birth center that I was working at was that I was going to have to be on call the whole time I was there. I couldn't go more than an hour away from the birth center. and. Um, that quickly turned into just feeling really suffocating to me um, as a person who like loves life and loves experiences. Um, I've recently gotten into the Enneagram and mm-hmm. I, I found out that I'm a seven. So that's like, you know, somebody who just kind of loves to do everything. And here I was in Oregon in like, I mean, it, I don't know if you've ever been there, if any of you listeners have ever been there, but it is amazing. I mean, you can get to the mountains and the ocean and the desert and wine country. I mean, it's just incredible. And I wasn't allowed to do any of it. I just had to be by the birth center, you know, all the time. And and so I kind of was feeling that way in the beginning. But because I know a lot of midwives and I know about the sacrifice and I know about um, what home birth midwives do, I also at the same time as I was feeling like I wanted to go experience all these things, um, I also was living my passion by being able to go to births and do prenatal care. And, um, you know, because this was the first time that I had really been into it. You know, I had done the short international trips, but but this was the first time that I was really acting as a midwife. Mm-hmm. And. And it, so, so at the same time that I wanted to be doing all the things outside, I also was supposed to be doing what I loved and then also feeling guilty for not being willing to just do the, the birth thing, you know, because it is right. so important. I felt, um, and it wasn't just me feeling guilty. It was other, the other midwives that I was working with and the students and, and people on the internet, like, you know, you, it wasn't something that was that I was allowed to say that I felt suffocated by being on call all the time. Um, so, but I almost quit because of it. And there were two other students there. Um, and I talked with them and of course they had been there for a while and they loved the idea of having a little bit of, of time off too. Um, you know, because it is so suffocating and so hard and so constant and, I was either going to quit or I was going to figure out a way that I could get a little bit of time off so so I could finish because I knew that I wanted to be a midwife. I knew that I was going to be a great midwife, um, but I also knew that I couldn't do it in the system that it, that is set up right now, and that's really common. So I talked to the owners of the birth center, and um, they told me that I could present this new kind of idea at a staff meeting. 
Uh, and so I worked long and hard on trying to figure out a schedule that would work so that the clients that came in would still have continuity of care, you know, by meeting a certain small number of midwives and midwife students. And then out of that small number of midwives and midwife students, they would then have a couple of those people that would be guaranteed to be at their birth um, and also gave the students and the midwives a little bit of time off. Right. That's such a nice, the idea of that is such a nice compromise of, you know, there's still continuity of care. You're still, it's not like it's a massive practice and you don't know who's going to walk into the door, but, but there's still a break. Yeah. And the, you know, and I think about continuity of care is one of the four parts of the midwives model of care. And I just think it's really important to point out that it's continuity of care, not continuity of caregiver. Mm. So the type of care that all midwives are going to provide is going to be individualized. It's going to range the entire childbearing year. It's going to be respectful. Um, You know, the differences between a typical medical practice and a typical midwifery practice are really big. The, The philosophy of care is really different. And so just having this one particular person who's taking care of you is a tiny little part of what midwifery actually is. That's a great point. So I I worked on this schedule um, and figured out a way that I thought would really work for everybody, for the birth center, for the students, and for the clients. And I presented it at the staff meeting. And, you know, I had my little charts and graphs and um, my whole thing set up and I presented and everybody was kind of like, huh, you know, that seems like it would work. And that makes sense. And they asked questions about any kind of holes that they might see, but there weren't any. It just, it seemed like it would flow really well and that everybody would have all of their needs met. And, um, but then one of the midwives said, okay, I mean, it it does look like it's going to work, but you know, part of what we're training you to do here is to be a midwife. And when you leave, that's not what your practice is going to look like. You're not going to have a week off every month. Um, That's not what midwifery is, is her quote. Um, And I was kind of like, well, you know, what is midwifery? Because (laughs) it seems like it is to me, you know, I am going to provide wonderful care to all these women. I'm going to, you know, educate them and empower them and give them informed consent and let them be in charge of their births. And, you know, and maybe I'll be there and maybe I won't, but, you know, I I felt like, again, that kind of guilt of maybe I'm not cut out for this, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which felt really bad to me because I knew that I was, I knew that I, like I said, I, I, I'm a, I believe I'm a great midwife and, um, and I have a lot of clients that would attest to that clients that I have been at their births and clients that I haven't been at their births. Because there's a lot more to midwifery than, you know, catching the baby. Certainly. So anyway, um, that that conversation happened. And so then the other students that I was with, they kind of like backtracked and were like, oh, you know, okay, yeah, let's just do, keep doing it the old way. Because they didn't want to, you know, have a mark on their back like I did now about being this kind of selfish. <laughs> Rebel. Uh, yes. Who, you know, didn't really care about the women and just wanted to go to the beach or whatever. <laughs> 
Um, and but I kind of continued to press the issue. Um, and so they decided that we could try it. So it was just a three month trial at first, but then it worked out great. And for the rest of the time that I was at the birth center, um, each of us students had one week off every month and it was wonderful. And I finished my training there. And so did, um, another one of the students that was there, um, which is kind of, you know, students don't finish. And that's a, a part of my whole thing, too, is that we need more midwives. And in order to get more midwives, we need students to finish. And there's a lot of people out there like me who are not willing to sacrifice everything in order to do this work. Right. Well, and, you know, it's it's kind of like you're also sacrificing your body. Your mm -hmm. adrenal glands get wrecked when you're waking up every single night, you know, oh, is that my phone? It, you right. know, never having that break. Yeah, so, so, so that's something that I'm really interested in, in delving more into. So I, I spoke at the Midwives Alliance of North America conference a couple of years ago about this topic, and I kind of just touched on, you know, just the basics of, you know, you can't, take a bath without your phone. You can't um, have a massage. You know, self-care mm -hmm. is kind of like a buzzword these days. It's all over the internet and, you know, you're supposed to practice self-care and midwives talk about practicing self-care. And there's a lot of things that are like, go get a pedicure or, <laughs> you know, a massage or get your hair cut, put your makeup on for the day. Like that's, not what real self-care is when you're talking about, like you said, I mean, the, the amount of midwives who have metabolic diseases, the amount of midwives who get divorced, um, the amount of midwives who are overweight, like there's just a bunch of real life health issues that are affected by having, you know, a pot of cortisol simmering yes. constantly. In the background the of your way life. to describe it <laughs> if you're just going to be able to you know you need to be able to jump anytime mm -hmm. and that cortisol constantly going through your bloodstream has an effect and not just if you're you know even if you're not on call all the time I mean there are studies out there about on-call work and so you know this is like plumbers or IT guys you know when they're starting a new network or something that have to be on call for the weekend. Like those guys have higher rates of cortisol and they're on call, you know, for one weekend. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, yeah, the health effects are really major. Right. That would be really interesting to, to get more research on that and how that affects life. But you're right. And I hadn't even thought of it in all of those different capacities. You know, burnout does seem super common in mm -hmm. among midwifery, mm -hmm. um, among midwives, but yeah, the other health effects are huge too. The being overweight, having hormonal issues, mm -hmm. all of those things, gosh, it, it does. Difficulties. Yeah. That's yeah, that's incredible. So, okay. So you finished your, um, you finished your apprenticeship. Yes. And, and then and what happened? So meanwhile, as I'm as I am finishing the apprenticeship, as I'm going through kind of dealing with that 
you know, guilt situation that I talked about and trying to kind of own the fact that I could be both things. I could be a good midwife and I could be someone who actually also wanted to have a life too. I wanted to be able to raise my children and be at their birth birthday parties. And, um, you know, because you can't even like, you can't make commitments to anyone else in your life when you have to say, unless I'm at a birth. And that's kind of like a joke, you know, in the birth worker community. I mean, it's on t-shirts and coffee mugs and, you know, unless I'm at a birth, ha ha. And it's kind of like, but you know, what if somebody needs you? What if somebody in your life needs you and you can't make a commitment to them because you have these clients who are counting on you and you alone? And you have to, because the thing is, I love my clients. Midwives love our clients. And it's not that we just think our work is important. We know our work is important and that the birth experience of our, of our clients can have an impact on not just them, but their families and their children and their grandchildren and, um, you know, their health and well-being too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to, it's, it's really hard for people who are drawn to this kind of work to put themselves above that. Right. And, and so when I was there, I was kind of trying to figure that out in my head about like, can, can you really do both things? Um, and, and while I saw this working, um, because it was working. And like I said, you know, there would be clients who I would see them prenatally. And then I wasn't on call when they had a baby. And then I would go back for their one week appointment. And they were like excited to tell me about their birth experience, you know, mm-hmm. and I could still help them with breastfeeding and, you know, hemorrhoids and all kinds of things uh, that it didn't have to do with the actual birth. So I, I realized, like, this is a thing. <laughs> there are people like me, like I said, that want to be midwives and also want to have their own lifestyle. And it can work to help women. So I need to figure out how to get this message out there because as it stands now, there's a lot of midwives and midwifery students who are too afraid to say it because Mm -hmm. the community will say things to you like maybe you're just not cut out for this job or that's not what midwifery is. And I don't believe that's true. So I wanted to, to change the paradigm. Um, And then when I finished, you know, all of this stuff starts coming out about America having the highest rates of maternal mortality in the developed world, you know, birth trauma is huge. Mm-hmm. Postpartum depression rates are at an all-time high. Like, midwi- the midwife's model of care is the answer to so many of these major problems with the birth culture in the United States. Absolutely. And there's not enough of us because what the home birth culture, the midwives in the home birth culture, because I think it's the midwives. I don't think it's the mothers who have created this. I think it's the midwives um, that have decided that the one-on-one model of care is the most important thing and that that is a huge deterrent to more women becoming midwives. 
Right. Right. So we can't grow and offer, you know, assistance to others who would be interested. Exactly. I mean, right now, um, I think midwives serve over the whole country, like less than 2% of Mm. births, um, out of hospital births, I mean, or less than 2%. And um, so, you know, that means there's 98% of women out there. So that means that there are 98% of women in this country who are having the typical medical model of care, who, you know, they have seven or eight doctors who they don't know who's going to show up at their birth. And even then, it's the nurses who are there the whole time who they've never met before in their life. And um, and so that's what we're up against. Like the 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 changes that we could make are huge. Mm-hmm. Right, because because with the the OBs, yeah, they're not they're not even using you know the the same type of model of care that midwives are. So there's that on top of the fact that you don't know who the heck is going to walk into that room when you're in labor. So, and you get to see them for 15 minutes and, you know, they have protocols that they have to follow about, or not just have to follow, but it's, you know, really typical for when you go to your 39 week appointment for them to check your cervix and start talking about induction and, you know, the amount of people who are induced at 41 weeks, just because that's the way they do it. Um, And, you know, or earlier, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that they do that are contributing to the postpartum depression, the birth trauma, um, the C-section rates, you know, the maternal mortality. And, mm. and we could change that. But the only way we're going to change that is if we change the system of home birth midwifery. And in order to change the system of home birth midwifery, midwives need to start working together and sharing call. Um, because I think to make midwifery sustainable, midwives need to have regularly scheduled time off call where they can turn off for real. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, midwives who do take vacations, um, you know, even if you just take vacations every once in a while, even if you take two good vacations a year, all that that's doing is getting you back to a set point you know it's like recovery from all of that stress that you've had for the past six months then you have your week or two weeks vacation and then you just do it all over again right you know you go right back down to where you were before Mm -hmm, Um, back into the hole yep and so regularly scheduled I I mean um I want it to happen regularly (laughs) like at least some days a month. I mean, I think like a weekend a month is probably minimal, but even more than that if possible. Um, and then also scheduled. So you know when it's going to happen because right. sometimes midwives too will have, you know, they get lucky. Like somebody will go into labor early and you don't have any, and then somebody else risks out of care or something. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, I have this five days off call, you know, mm-hmm. because of luck. And like, even then you're like trying to fit everything in that you can, you know, you like right. every appointment ever. Yes. Yeah. You try to get to do everything. And, um, so that's just, you know, adds more stress too. So I want, sure. I want midwives to, um, yeah, to have regularly scheduled time off call so that they can. And also I, I keep on talking about the fact that we, it's so that we can go to our kids' birthday parties and 
we can be at Christmas or whatever. But like, but also this is better for the women too. Um, Mm -hmm. because you know, I just recently with my practice had two women go into labor on the same day at the same time, uh, the babies were born literally six minutes apart. Oh, wow. Yeah. But there's three of us. And so, you know what? Both of those women had their midwives at their birth. Right. Well, that and also you are going to be guaranteed a fresh midwife if you yes. know that they are getting rest. That that's yeah. you don't want a tired midwife at your birth. Yeah. No, I mean there, you know, there's studies about that too, about how sleeplessness is like, you know, worse than being drunk sometimes mm-hmm. with decision making skills. Right. And oh, that's such a good point. And they, you know, but you feel like you have to be there for this person. And the birth isn't the only thing either. I mean, there's a lot of, so yeah, we're on call for births, but all kinds of stuff happen with women throughout pregnancy, you know? I mean, and that, this is new to me having just been a pregnant person. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, you know, it's just, especially the first time it's such a big deal. And there's so many questions and, and things going on in your body that you're trying to figure out. And like, you know, how nice to be able to have somebody to call that, you know, like isn't trying to have a massage right now as you're texting mm-hmm. her about your heartburn. <laughs> right. Right. They're not annoyed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, she's, she's fine with this. This is perfect. Yeah. yeah because she's the one who's taking the phone calls right now. And mm-hmm. you know, cause it is a job. And, um, and I also say like, you know, I, cause I said before, I love my clients and all of us love our clients and we have tons of clients. So like, why can't one client love a couple of midwives? Right. Right. And I like that. It's not, you're not saying like, oh, well, we need 12 midwives in this practice. And you know, no, it's a very simple three, four people, right. which I actually wanted, want to hear a little bit more about that, about your own practice and are you guys using basically the same system that you created while you were apprenticing or have you kind of changed or manipulated anything? Yeah, it's different um, because we're different and, you know, there's, so I also do um, consults for midwives who are, who are thinking about joining forces and trying to create more sustainable practices for their own practices. And, And one thing that I, say all the time is like, there isn't just a one size fits all. Like, you know, for my practice, because I just had a baby and because I was pregnant and I was real sick in the beginning of the pregnancy. Um, and both of my partners have older children. So I'm on call much less than they are. Mm. Um, we, you know, take turns going to appointments and, um, so I, you know, I still see all the clients, but, but I'm only on call like six or so days a month. And so that gives them some time off. Um, Gotcha. And then me, you know, able to raise my baby and be, you know, a mostly stay at home mom, except for, you know, going on call sometimes. And so that's for us, but then there's going to be other midwife practices that, you know, everybody shares and has the same amount of call time the whole entire month. Or there's going to be practices who mostly share all the time, but then once in a while, you know, somebody has something come up and so they have to take more time off or whatever. Um, so there's definitely not a one size fits all approach, but the, the basics are the same is that 
you, everybody meets the clients. So everybody's familiar with the clients. So, you know, we have regular chart review where we talk about if there's an appointment that we miss, you know, what's been going on, if there's anything that needs to be said, you know, we do electronic charting. And so when you're going into an appointment, you can look back and see what did they talk about last week, whatever. And if there's any questions, you can ask the midwife from before, but pretty much we keep up um, on everybody. That's so neat. I, I really love this model and I look forward to hearing what listeners have to say because because I think that you're right. I think a lot of this is not that moms would mind because moms see moms will see the value of getting a fresh midwife and having a midwife who's not going to burn out in the middle of her pregnancy and all of a sudden they're just not a midwife anymore. Yeah. Um, I think and that I, moms will see that. Yes. And I also think that I I also think that I don't think that moms know 100% what being on call for them is because one thing that midwives are really good at is making you feel like you're the most important person in the world, sure. you know, which you are the most important Absolutely. person in the world, you know, and your birth and your pregnancy and your family are really important. And we want you to feel that way. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is being on call um, is full on. And yeah. so, so I think, part of it is definitely getting moms to to just hear it because because I think moms do love their midwives and if they start to understand what it actually means that they will be willing to have a few of us so that sure. we can can share and so I will take say, better care of ourselves and better care of them exactly and the, and that's the whole goal is you know there there is a way to have a win-win and this yes. is really it you know yes I agree because and, it allows us to really it kind of reminds you of why you got into the work in the first place and, and lets you be able to just continue to love it. Oh, that's so neat. Well, so Madeline, let's say that there are some midwives listening in right now and are interested in this. How do they get in touch with you? How do they, you said you do consults? I do. Yes. So I have a website, which is www.believeinmidwifery.com. Um, where there is a video from my MANA conference talk, which is a lot of what I've just said now, but a pretty good um, background and idea of what I'm all about. So you could watch that there. Um, and the, the website is, is pretty, uh, it's not really a great website, but I have some blog posts and things up there too. But really, I'm more active on Instagram. And okay. Instagram is at Believe in Midwifery. Um, so you could follow along there. And I, then I also have a email address, which is midwifemadeline at gmail.com. And you could contact me there if you're interested in, in talking about, um, about this stuff. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm working on a couple of other conferences this year where, like I said, I'm going to be delving a little bit more into the sort of actual effects of, of the lifestyle on midwives. Um, and then also the importance of changing the model for students in order to make more midwives. So the, how important it is to, to teach, you know, true self-care and sustainability and work-life balance for midwives in order to make, um, to make more midwives. It's really hard to find statistics for dropout rates. Yeah. Uh, But one statistic that does exist is that the average uh, career time span of a midwife is seven years. Uh, which is crazy when you think about the fact that it takes most of us four or five to actually become a midwife in the first. Yes. 
Oh man. Now, do you know if the, um, if the birth center that you apprenticed at, do they still use that model or did they go back to what they were doing before? I actually am not sure. I, that would be know, interesting to find yeah, out. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, cool. Well, Madeline, thank you so much for bringing all of this up and, and bringing awareness to a topic that you're right. I think that a lot of people kind of skirt around and don't want to talk about, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's midwifery is, is so much, especially for the younger women who are having families and, you know, want to be a mom (laughs) who want to have their family too. Um, this idea of being able to support women, but also support yourself is, Mm -hmm. is huge. And I'm just so grateful that you were willing to come on and share your information. And I would love to have you back on so that you can tell us all about your birth experience. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I would love to talk about it. It was quite the ride. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And there's even more about this. I feel like I just could keep on talking about it forever. But even when you just said supporting women, like, you know, that's part of it, too, is that, you know, birth for being a universal experience is still so isolated. And even just having one midwife for one woman is still kind of isolating. You know, I just feel like having multiple midwives take care of multiple women just feels to me like more of what midwifery is too, the spirit of it, like the sisterhood of just women helping each other and, and kind of, it would allow for more differences in, in what type of care people want and what type of care people get. And, yeah, um, you know, That's allowing a great women point. to kind of be a little bit more in charge instead of just the way that their midwife does it. Right. Of different perspectives. Yeah. And getting to see getting to see midwives who were maybe in different stages of life as well. I know Mm -hmm. that when I first started apprenticing, you know, my midwife was breastfeeding and she was the first person that I saw just nurse her toddler in front of me. And I had never experienced, I'd never even thought about it before. This was before I was pregnant. This was just Mm -hmm. apprenticing it. And it changed my life. Like it really changed the way I saw motherhood and, and viewed it. And so being able to be exposed to midwives in different stages of lives who have had all these different types of experiences, that's, that's a huge point that I hadn't even considered. Yep. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons why this is the way it should be. Oh, well, I'm I'm just so grateful, like I said, that you were willing to come share this, and I will certainly be spreading the word. Thank you awesome. so much. Thank you, Madeline. So is your mind blown? Because I thought that was such an incredible message and really makes